the Apostle Paul writes, this is the Word of God. Paul writes, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with them, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by faith and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law then Christ died for no purpose. May the Lord bless this, the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word, and let us ask for His blessing even now. <clears throat> Lord, we need You, and we need to hear from You. Get this sinner out of the way, and may You speak. O Holy Spirit, may You apply these truths to our hearts and our lives, that the Father might be glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As an NBA basketball player, Sean Elliott was known as harassing on defense and dazzling on offense. His team, the San Antonio Spurs, retired his number along the likes of their previous superstars, George Gerving and David the Admiral Robinson. Elliott spent 11 of 12 seasons with the Spurs and was the starting small forward for their 1999 championship team. But unknown to most, the previous seven years before that 99 championship team, he had suffered from a rare kidney disease. A month after they won that title, he announced that he would have to undergo a kidney transplant. On August 16th of 99, he underwent a successful kidney transplant, receiving his new kidney from his brother, Noel. Sean Elliott's mother, Odame, said this, Noel gave Sean life which in many ways he did because 
after a number of months working out and getting back into NBA shape, Elliott made NBA history March 14th of 2000, becoming the first player in NBA history to return to action following a major organ transplant. With the sacrifice of a kidney, Noel gave Sean life. Life from another. A Christian life is a life lived through the life and the presence of another. It's a supernatural life, so to speak, in which the Christian depends upon and lives by the power of the indwelling spirit of Jesus Christ himself. It's amazing to think about life from another. How do you live the Christian life? The Apostle Paul was one of the most resourceful, energetic, driven, motivated, type A, performance-oriented, strong, self-willed individuals. Yet he learned through the gospel that his efforts, his works, his self-accomplishments actually got him nowhere with God. He found out that without Christ, he was nothing. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Paul learned this great truth himself. He discovered three things we see in our text this morning in Galatians 2. He learned that the Christian life is a life of death, death to self. He learned that the Christian life is a life of Christ in me. And he learned that the Christian life is a life of faith in Christ. One writer said that Galatians 2.20 was actually Paul's philosophy of life. I still recall as a new believer, it was the second verse, Galatians 2.20, the second verse that I memorized as a new Christian. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, Christ lives in me. The Christian life is a life of death to self. The context which we read is that Paul is writing of his rebuke of Cephas or Peter, Peter who had begun to avoid eating meals with the Gentiles who were non-Jews because he was afraid. Certain Jewish leaders known as Judaizers had come in. They were legalists. They were law keepers. And they had come in and they had made Peter afraid to eat these meals with the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Peter knew better. In Acts chapter 10, God showed him that he was going to bring the Gentiles into the church. But Peter was rebuilding a wall of separation. Jews here, maybe they're better Christians. Gentiles, maybe they're Christians over here. It was like he 
changed his table at the school cafeteria when those Judaizers came. I think I'll go over there and eat with those Jews and leave those Gentiles. It is like he was sending the Gentiles to the back of the bus. Not a pretty picture. And the Apostle Paul is mad. And he wants to make the point to Peter, I am dead to the law and alive to God. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. And the phrase there actually means past action with continuous present impact. I've been crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. He is speaking of his identity with Christ's death and resurrection. Something traumatic had occurred in Paul's life. Paul had died with Christ. His whole life is now identified with Christ's death. Sometime after 9-11, my wife and I were walking through our neighborhood, and it was a beautiful day, I think a spring day, and we were meeting with the neighbors, and we happened to meet this one neighbor at the end of one of the cul-de-sacs in which we live, and uh, he introduced himself, and he said, my name is John Walker. Well, immediately, our minds went to a John Walker at that time, if you may recall, he was an American who had joined the Taliban, dressed up, of course, like a terrorist, involved in terrorism, and he was the big name, this traitor, this Benedict Arnold, John Walker. And our neighbor says, I'm John Walker. And he said, oh, but I'm not that John Walker. He didn't want to be identified with him. And yet here the Apostle Paul is saying, you see the man that went to the cross? I died with him. I identify with him. I'm with him. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul is now dead. It is as if he is saying, my self-focused, my self-centered life is now dead. What does it mean? Paul's death with Christ is a picture of a significant change in his relationship to the law of God, to sin, and to self. Paul says, I'm dead. I am dead. I am dead to the law. I am dead to its demands. I am dead to its accusations. I am dead to its shadowy presence of condemnation where it lurks over me. I am dead to the guilt that the law brings in my life. I am free from its claims. I am free from its condemnation. It's still a guide in life, but it cannot judge me any longer. 
I'm no longer obligated to climb a ladder of success using my works to get to heaven. I'm free from that, Paul says. I'm dead to it. I'm dead to the law. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to its dominion in my life. I'm dead to its enslavement in me. I live in that tension, yes, between the spirit and the flesh, but I'm dead. I have a new relationship to sin. It doesn't dominate my life. I'm dead to death. I don't have to worry about death anymore. It's no more a threat. I can stare death in the face. I have victory in Christ. The famed evangelist D.L. Moody from the end of the 19th century once said, someday you will read in the papers that Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the Spirit in 1855. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the Spirit shall live forever. I am dead, Paul says, to death. I am dead to hell. I am dead to judgment. I do not have to fear it anymore because Jesus absorbed my punishment in my place. I am dead to the devil. He is no longer my master. One scholar, Alan Cole, says that for Paul, a lifetime of accumulation of merit and good works is wasted. He realized he was as bad off as a Gentile. He had nothing to offer God but his sin. I don't have to perform to earn God's favor anymore. I have received God's grace. I've been crucified with Christ. Our death with Christ means that the self-life has changed. We haven't arrived yet, but instead of self, there is Christ, and life is no longer all about me. I'm dead, and yet I must put sin to death. Sin must be put to death. The, the old theologians, the old Puritans called it mortification. Lust in the flesh can no longer be my driving force. I don't feed the sinful nature. I kill it. I put it to death. Mortification means I murder sin. Some years ago, Kathy and I were visiting her mom down in Columbia at her home. They live on the lake, and I actually, on the Saturday that we were there, I cleaned out the lake, and I guess maybe I stirred a few things up because Sunday morning I went outside, and there was a snake that had come up towards the house, and I looked at it pretty closely, and actually I'm not like super afraid of snakes, but this snake looked poisonous, and I leave those alone. As a matter of fact, I looked at this, and I knew that Kathy cannot uh, stand snakes. I knew that my sister-in-law who was there didn't like snakes, and my mother-in-law 
And I said, well, I'm not taking any chances with this one, with that snake. It's coming towards the house. And I did something I rarely do. I killed it. It was a threat. It was poisonous. I put it to death. A couple hours later, I found out it was Earth Day Sunday. Whoops. Well, I still didn't feel too bad about it because it was a threat. It was poisonous. Sin comes to us. It is always a threat. It is always poisonous. I'm dead to it, but when it comes, I kill it. I put it to death. Not only am I dead, the Christian life is a life of death to self. A wonderful new reality has occurred. Christ lives in me. The Christian life is a life of Christ in me. I am dead, but I'm alive. God wants us dead and alive. Dead to self, alive through Christ. I have a new relationship. I'm no longer a lover of sin, because I'm dead. But I'm also no longer dead to Christ. I now have a personal relationship with Christ. A few years ago, a young man came to my office at the seminary, and he was actually working, I guess he was subcontracted out with uh, our IT people, and I was having computer problems, so he came to my office to help me with my computer. I had never seen or met him before, and so we sat down, and he was working on my computer, and and we talked, and I got a conversation, and I didn't really make any assumptions. I mean, I don't really know where he came from, but I didn't assume he was a Christian because we had subcontracted out to him. So we began to talk, and so finally I asked him about his faith. And he said, oh, he said, I lost that a long time ago. And I said, yeah, you know, it happens all the time. I said, I tried to lose it myself when I was in college. I said, but then I discovered about my faith that Christianity is not a philosophy of life. It is not a life just built on certain rules that you keep. It's not just all this effort and doing better. It's not a life motivated by guilt. I said to him, I discovered that the Christian life is a relationship with the living Jesus Christ. And then I looked at him, and it took a little courage on my part, but I looked, I turned to him and looked straight in his eyes, and I said, and if he's not resurrected, I'm crazy. Because I am talking to him all the time. The Christian life is a life of Christ in me. It's a new relationship. His Spirit is now present in my heart. There is new life. I desire God. I love His Word. I love His law. I love the wonder and the marvel of the beauty of His holiness. I see things I've never seen before. 
I want to obey Him. I want to live for Christ. I want to live for His glory. I love His church and His kingdom. I love my enemies, amazingly, and pray for those who persecute me. I forgive others as God in Christ forgave me. But guess what? It's not me. Rod Culbertson can't do any of those things. He doesn't even want to do them. It's Christ in me. Christian life is a life of Christ. I have new power in my life. Theologians call it regeneration. That is, we've been made alive to God. It's not something we can make happen. Only God does it. And He does it through His Spirit. Jesus Himself said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. When I die to self, Christ lives in even a greater way. We yield our lives to Him. John the Baptist said it best. He must increase. I must decrease. And I believe the order is very consequential. He must increase. We give ourselves to Him. We seek Him we watch ourselves decrease. We seek Him. This is what is known as the Spirit-filled or Spirit-controlled life. Letting the Holy Spirit live His life through us. Yes, it is supernatural. Yes, it is God working. Yes, it is somewhat mysterious. But if we're seeking God at all, it's because His Holy Spirit is in us. When our youngest boy was around two or three years old, I tried to teach him how to hit a baseball. And I went out and got one of those, you know, sets, a little, a big white plastic ball and uh, one of those uh, failure-reducing size bats. You've seen them. They're this wide, right? No one could fail. You're bound to hit it. And I, I've always played baseball. I'm like, I'll teach him. And so I'm throwing him. I'm throwing him a little short. He's swinging. He's missing. He can't get it. He doesn't get a single one. He misses every time. I'm like, Kathy, come help. So Kathy comes out. I said, Kathy, you throw the ball. And so I stood by Graham. He held the bat. I held the bat. I said, now when the ball comes, swing. The ball came. He swung. I swung. We hit the ball. Time and time again, we hit the ball. Who was hitting the ball? He was hitting the ball, but I was helping him hit the ball, right? That's the best picture I can give you. We live out the Christian life. We do it. Paul says it. I live, yet not I. Christ lives in me. He's working in us. He's helping us. The Christian life is a life of death to self. Self only gets in the way, but it's also a life of Christ 
in me. And lastly, the Christian life is a life of faith in Christ. Paul says, the life I live in the flesh or in the body. Paul's person and his personality is still intact. He is without question the one and only Paul, but he is a better Paul than ever before. The self-focused Paul no longer lives, but Christ lives in him. Paul still thinks, chooses, feels, acts, hopes, fears, wills, etc. But he is strengthened and influenced by a new power, a new presence, a new relationship, a dependence on Christ himself dwelling in him. He lives his life by faith. Faith in the Son of God. And so, practically, we ask the Lord each day, Lord, live through me. Work in me. Change me. Change my heart. Change my attitude. Bring me to repentance. Give me life. Give me a the proper spirit. We ask Him. We trust Him. We look to Him. It's the only way we can live the Christian life. It's through the Spirit of God in us. Theologians call this sanctification. By faith, walking with Christ, loving Him, becoming more and more like Him, dying to sin, living to righteousness. Christ is my life. If there is anything resembling goodness, peace, godlikeness in Rod Culbertson, it's Christ in me. There was an evangelist many years ago, back in the 80s at Auburn University, who uh, held large gatherings week after week. And he told the story of his daughter came up to him. She was like about five years old. And she said, uh, Daddy, is it true that Christ really lived? And he said, of course, of course. And she said, well, is it true that he was like a man, a physical man? And he said, yes, yes. She says, like he was like tall, like he was a real adult. And he said, yes, yes. And she said, well, if that's true and Christ lives in me, it seems like he would stick out. Now she's on to something, isn't she? Except it's not the physical, right? It's Christ in me, and you see something different spiritually, personally, in our hearts, in our lives. He changes us. Martin Luther said about himself and this new life of walking by faith, I behold a woman, but with a pure eye, not lusting after her. He said, it is a sight which comes from heaven. Heart change. Walking by faith. I receive my life by faith, trusting God to work in my heart and change me. We did a church plant in Clearwater. As a matter of fact, we... We enjoy church plants, so I'm glad to 
to be here. Uh, we're in a church plant right now in Charlotte, and I've been sitting on metal chairs for most of my life, it seems, at least my ministerial life. Uh, but while we were in uh, Clearwater, uh, uh, a group from our church, and it might have been a homeschool group, they decided to take a trip up to Tarpon Springs, Florida. Tarpon Springs is a place known for sponges and sponge diving. And so we decided to go out and, and go on a, a little trip on a, a boat, a sponge boat. Uh, and we went to the docks and we got on the boat. And as we got ready to pull off, there was this uh, very stately, handsome Greek-American uh, uh, man who was donning his uh, outfit, kind of a canvas diving suit with one of those big, giant metal uh, bubble-shaped helmets and a thick rubber hose coming out of it attached to an oxygen supply at the boat. And he walked down the, the ladder off the boat and then he kind of disappeared down into the water. And we're all waiting and watching to see is he going to come back with any sponges. Now, a little secret here, okay? The sponges there have been gone for decades, all right? But for the show, they stick a few of them down in there, all right? But so we're waiting, and we're waiting, and he's off, and he's off. And it takes a while, and we're waiting, and we're wondering, is he going to come back? When is he going to come back? But, you know, all that waiting, we never worried. We never thought, hey, he's probably drowned. He's probably, he's probably gone. No. He was connected. He had that hose. He was connected to the source of life. He was fine. And eventually, yes, he came back with a few planted sponges. All right? But he was connected. And the Christian, this is a picture of the Christian life. Being connected, abiding in Christ, walking with Christ, dependence on Christ and the Holy Spirit. The life I live in the body or in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Son of God will live in me and through me, and Paul has been captured by this truth. No wonder he is dead to the law. His life was changed. It was changed at the cross. Jesus loved him. It's that word agape. He has loved me, Paul says. The one who resisted him, fought him. He has loved me unconditionally. He loved me and he gave himself up. The word there actually speaks of being delivered over to the power of someone usually for evil intent or suffering. He gave himself up to be beaten, to be bruised, to shed his blood. And Paul says, for me. Paul could have said, encompassing these Galatians, for us, but I think Paul's getting very personal here. He loved me. He gave himself up for me. Martin Luther says the words me, me speak of the sinner, wretched and damnable. That's me. It's unbelievable. It's the grace of God. 
is the power of the cross, the wonder of the cross. Paul says, it's not my works, but Christ's sacrificial death. He gave himself for me. How do you live the Christian life? Are you entrusting yourself to him, to his spirit? Are you seeking him so he fills you? Dr. George Long was pastor of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church for over two decades, and he was telling the story some time ago. I heard him tell a story where he was watching his very small grandson. They'd called a little boy into the room because someone had found a box turtle. They'd put the box turtle on the floor, and they called him in. They wanted him to see this turtle. And so he came in to look at it. He'd never seen a turtle like this before. And so they said, you need to come see this. And he walked in, and he studied it, and he circled and walked around it. The turtle, of course, was hiding in its shell, doing nothing. The little boy was not very impressed. He walked away, but he looked back and he said, needs batteries. That's the Christian we need batteries. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to ask God to do His work constantly in our lives. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Uh, but not I. Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh or the body. I live by faith connected to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, how we need your Holy Spirit and assurance in our lives of your pardon and the certainty of your power. Help us. Help us to find you at the table today and help us find your life. Change us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.